Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. Miles, how are you doing tonight? I am doing wonderful. I told you I just had that macaroni and cheese with truffle oil on it with breadcrumbs sprinkled about the top. That's one of my favorite things. Truffle oil is one of my favorite things, but macaroni and cheese with breadcrumbs, even if it doesn't have truffle oil, I am. It's like crack cocaine. I didn't. I'm I'm still getting accustomed to, um, you know, you go to certain places and they make the roux and then they make the bechamel sauce. And yeah. then they put the macaroni and cheese in. I'm so used to baked macaroni and cheese. So this is just another addition, you know, to like the the, the many ways you can make macaroni and cheese. And I really, and they serve it in a small enough portion that when you finish it, you want a little more, but you recognize you've had enough. Yeah. And it's perfect. That's what a great chef does, right? right. They give you the yeah. exact right amount. But they've got to bake it though, don't they? If you've got the crumbs on top, I've never eaten they, it without it being baked. They or don't at least bake crumbs. it. What? They they bake. So I, I, I really, you'll love this. You know, obviously I'm talking about Jim Barnhart because it's I his assumed. recipe. Yeah, yeah, I assumed. Yeah. <laughs> so what they do is they don't bake the macaroni and cheese, but they bake the breadcrumbs. No, no, okay, but so did they bake the breadcrumbs on top? That's how I've had it before. No, they so they 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 do a pan thing with the bechamel sauce. Okay. Boil a pasta, pour it in, mix it, and then take the baked breadcrumbs out of the oven and drizzle the breadcrumbs on top of the oh. macaroni and cheese. All right, you got to stop talking. You're making me hungry. For our <laughs> listeners who have not listened to episode forty-six with Jim Barnhart, this is who we're talking about. We talked food with Jim Barnhart and how to make beautiful food and how to level up your food game. Um, which I, man, I'll tell you, they, that's just such an important thing. If oh. you're not eating well, and I'm not talking about, so food, far too often people put some sort of BS moralistic value on food, good food, bad food. There's no such thing. Now there's great right. tasting food. There is horrible right. tasting food, but there's not, food is an amoral thing. It's not good or bad. Now you can have food that might be very rich. You might have sweet food. You, ha- you might have food that you right. say, well, this is kind of a treat for me. Right. You might have food. Like I just finished eating a salad right before this. That's not good food. That's not bad food. It just, it's food with fiber, right? That's right. all it is. I wanted it for the crunch. I wanted it for the fiber. Afterwards, I don't know what I'm going to eat. It's definitely not going to be another salad because I don't like vegetables that much. But you've got to level up that food game. And that's where I think that episode with Jim is is phenomenal. People, if our listeners have not listened to it, they got to go back there. Uh, yeah, so you had the fun. you had the uh, the mac and cheese, right? Yeah. What else? Uh, that's that's all I had, and I had two glasses of wine. Yeah. Two glasses of red wine. Very good. But real fast, I want to take you to like a little bit of a food journey. Last week, I went to the produce market here and I love the produce here and they had some collard greens you know so I looked picked it up I looked at it felt it was you know it it just had this heartiness to it I took it home and I was about to cook it and I took a leaf out and I started to eat just the raw leaf Mm. and I had never had this experience before 
it had a sweetness to it. Yeah. I was so excited. Yeah. I called my ex-wife. I called Alicia and I said, tomorrow I'm coming over. I'm just going to bring you a leaf of this collard. And I took it over to her and I gave her just a leaf. And she sat there, she was working in the garden and she bit it. And we looked at each other like, what is this? It's, it was, I had the same experience the first time I had raw collard greens. Cause I don't know if you're like- Okay, me, so you know, collard, okay. Yeah. Collard greens that I had uh, earlier on in life were always cooked. They're always cooked and, and made with right. something else, right? Right. So collard yep. greens, the first time I tasted it, and I did the same thing, but I actually did it at the grocery store. I took a bite and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is sweet. You don't get yeah. that sweetness when you cook it. Yeah, and then the stem was a little spicy. Yeah. Oh my God. So so I've just been snacking on um, pure turnip greens, mustard greens, and I've stopped the shard because I was kind of binging on sh sweet shards. You did shard for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And did the collard yeah. greens and I've just been eating them raw. Wow. That's it. Just grabbing a leaf and eating it raw. Man, man. Talk about food porn. <laughs> you know, the, the, the cool thing about food is, like I said before, there's nothing, there, there's not good or bad food. Food is an amoral thing. There's food that has different nutrients in it. And like collard greens, for instance, if you eat it raw, you're going to get certain nutrients that you won't get cooked. But some vegetables, collard greens being one of them, you will actually release certain nutrients when you right, cook when you cook them you yeah get if you eat them raw and yeah. that's one of the great great benefits um to yeah, the variety they, of food and it yeah, brings, brings a lot of minerals. balance yeah yeah right. when the cooking releases the minerals and yeah I'm, I'm familiar with that so it's like you know it's interesting you talk about <clears throat> we food is so interesting in the sense that it 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 sustains us it survive we survive by it we we love it and yet, most of us are pretty mindless. Yeah. About well, food. We we're get mindless about food, but we're mindless about a lot of things. Right. We get right. into an automaton mentality. We just keep doing the same things over and over again. Right. Yeah. 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 I well, think that's what we go ahead. I was just going to say that's part of what we're going to talk about tonight. I mean, as, as you know, uh, we're looking at this great looking man uh, that we're going to bring in here shortly, but. <laughs> Um, he's a returning guest, and and I, the message that we're going to go through tonight with returning guest Todd Sylvester is this idea that people far too often they go through life with these same beliefs, and oftentimes these beliefs are built on some sort of moralistic value. I'm good. I'm bad. This is good. That's bad. Todd's got a really fascinating message. And it's, I remember the first time that he talked to me about how he was going out and giving this particular lecture and this particular message that he literally walks up to people and he says, you, there is nothing wrong with you. And um, I think it's a phenomenal message. This is going to be one of the uh, Evolve Your Mind series. So for our listeners who may not have uh, listened to the previous episodes that we've had, um, I would encourage you to do a couple of things. Number one, go back and listen to episode six with Todd Sylvester. Uh, it's, a, it's truly an episode that I go back to. One of the things I love about doing this podcast is I actually will go back and listen to, multiple, or to episodes multiple times because I love certain ones so much. And Todd's is an episode that I, I got so much out of it the first time that I've had to go back two or three different times to listen to it. 
because uh, there are moments where like it literally makes me tear up and I get emotional listening to that story. So if our listeners have not listened to episode six with Todd Sylvester the first time, you got to go back and do it. But also understand that what we're doing now is we're now starting to batch our content into one of our uh, four buckets. So Miles, you know this, we are uh, at Evolve, focused on evolving your body, your mind, your soul, your tribe. We finished up our Evolve Your Body with our episode with uh, Nicole Johnson. And since then we've been recording and releasing episodes on evolving your mind. So this is part of our Evolve Your Mind series. Uh, and we're really excited to, to bring this powerhouse guest back with us to talk about something that I truly think is going to help people to evolve their mind if they're open to listening to this concept. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve podcast. Joining us with a belly full of wine and mac and cheese in Overland, Ohio, <laughs> the most interesting man that I know. And you you win the uh, ticket with the uh, glasses tonight, Miles. I, I like yours the best. Uh, is W. Miles <laughs> Riley. Welcome, Miles. Uh, yeah, these are, my, these are my Snoopy glasses. I felt like Snoopy <laughs> today. So I said, you know what? Let me grab these. So anyway. I like them. I like them. Glad to be here. Glad to be here hosting again with you, Steve. Yeah, great always, great to, always great to partner with you on this. And in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Like I mentioned, today's guest is a returning guest. We had Todd Sylvester not only on our sixth episode, but he also joined us for a short episode on Evolving Your Soul focused on gratitude, which we're also going to get into a little bit today. Todd Sylvester, welcome nice. back to the Evolve podcast. Yeah, grateful to be here, Steve and Miles, with you guys. Uh, love what you're doing, and it's an honor to be back on your show. And I just hope that uh, the things that we talk about today will inspire someone who's listening to this to not only change their life, but they'll go on and share it with someone else. So thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I, for our listeners who uh, maybe have not heard some of your story and what your background is. Uh, yeah. I would encourage them to go listen to the full bio that we had in the first <laughs> episode. Um, but I, I just, I wanna highlight a couple of things and I would love for uh, you to tell our listeners a sure. little bit about you and where, what you're doing today. Uh, you have your own podcast, which is a phenomenal podcast and you're over, what are you, over 270 episodes that you've liked? Yeah, dropped? I think I'm just a little over 260 episodes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and how many downloads? I mean, you you have reached some pretty amazing milestones with I think this podcast. We just we just reached over three hundred thousand, and wow. I just found out we're ranked in the top one hundred in mental health. So, oh I'm so stoked for that. And I just landed another major sponsor today. I can't I can't reveal it, but I'm so pumped. I can't wait till I can reveal it. But uh, I pinch myself and. Um, but it's because I've had amazing guests on. It's the people that come on. And, I, you know, Steve, you've been on it twice as well on mine. Yeah, great. Time. And uh, I have so many great feedback on the things that you shared and your insight. And it's just great that we can rub shoulders and help each other. And Miles, it's great to have you on. And uh, I just I appreciate both you guys so much. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, over 300,000 downloads. You've got several sponsors. I know you've got a few major sponsors, which is pretty yeah. amazing. And that just goes to show that Blows people love mind. the content and people are yep. really resonating with uh, the messaging. So tell our listeners, Todd, a little bit about what your day-to-day -day looks like. I know you're a speaker, you're, you're a coach, a counselor, um, a podcast yeah. superstar, uh, <laughs> 
father, grandfather. I mean, uh, tell, tell, tell people about you and what you do. Yeah, I'm married. I have four beautiful children. I have two grandchildren now. I can't believe I'm a grandpa. Um, I love being a grandpa, but it's kind of hard to, to look in the mirror and go, man, am I really that old? But uh, you don't look like a grandpa at all. Yeah, I was just oh, gonna thank say, you. you don't look like the grandpa. I'm looking at you now when you ain't no grandpa. Thank right. you. Thank you. Right. I take, uh, I'll take that for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I really do. I feel like I'm 30 years old. I take care of myself. I take care of my body, things I've learned from you, Steve. Um, take care of my mind. And, uh, and every day I'm meeting with clients all day long. Um, I do podcasting a couple times a week. I call it a belief cast and I do speaking events as well on top of that. And I've got some really cool things I'm working on. And, you know, if there's time we can talk about that too, but uh, just, yeah, I, you know, because of the things that I've been through in my life, I, I do believe life happens for you. And had I not gone through my own, uh, you know, drug addiction and alcoholism, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys today. So, you know, for your listeners who are hearing this right now, if you're going through something very difficult, I can assure you that it's happening for a reason. It's not just there to, to make your life miserable, but that you'll look back one day and go, wow, look what I get to do now because of what I've been through. And so again, it's just good to be here to be able to share some, some thoughts and some ideas and some principles with your listeners. Yeah, what a, and you, you've got an amazing story. And again, we won't touch too much on your story with this episode. I would encourage people to go back and listen to episode six to hear your full story because it is an inspiring and amazing story. And when Todd says, if you're going through something, understand that it's happening for you. That's not just some sort of line that he came up with to sell books or yeah. to get himself on a stage. This is the life that he lives. And having known you now for what, well over 20 years. Yeah. I, I can attest to the fact that uh, this is something that you live. Thank you. One, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you back on, Todd, is, is we're talking about evolving your mind. Um, you know, we truly believe that you've got to create a disruption in life in order to yeah. spark some sort of evolution. But then that evolution happens as you consistently stack habits on top of each other. And I think that one of the most powerful lessons that you teach is this concept and and i don't want to butcher the phrase so i'm going to give it to you but you you literally tell people there is nothing wrong with you is that right that is correct and you know it almost seems like you know that's a cute little saying right you know it's right. cute to tell someone that you know i'm i'm meeting with heroin addicts you know meth addicts alcoholics you name it and some really you know difficult situations that people are going through and when I tell them on day one that there's nothing wrong with them, it's amazing to see, like you, you said it, disrupt. See, they, they've, been, they've been fueling their mind and their belief system with, with, the, with the, the story of they're not good enough. And I, you know, something really is wrong with me kind of thing. And, and what I'm trying to say is, no, we're going to disrupt that belief system. And, and I hit them right on day one on the very first session. I have a quote above my head in my office that says the most delightful surprise in life is to suddenly recognize there's nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I always get clients that will start crying. Some of them start laughing out loud. <laughs> Some of them think I'm crazy. Um, and I get it because they're like, wow. And I'll, I'll ask them, has anyone ever told you that? And typically I hear, no, I've never heard that. And so that's, I like to start off with that because I say that's the foundation that you're going to build on. And even if you don't know that yet or believe it yet, you're eventually going to believe it. And it really is the most delightful surprise when that kicks in. And so, and I can relate because I grew up with a narrative 
that I wasn't good enough. And I think everyone listening to this can go, you know what? Um, I'm either still struggling with that now, or as I, when I was a kid going through school or whatever it was, I had the same narrative. And so it's very common to have that, but it's, it's uncommon, unfortunately, for people to actually change that permanently. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how, how somebody can build a narrative about themselves based on other people's narratives who've never investigated their own narrative? <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great point, Miles. Isn't that really interesting? You know, like, you know, and this is going to sound, I'm going to sound slightly political, but it's not, you'll see where I'm going with this. Is that I I love when, when politicians posit the thing that this is what America is. Mm -hmm. And it's such a narrow framework where, you know, if you really open your eyes, America is everything. Yeah. And one of the reasons why it feels really good that you said um, there's nothing wrong with you is it's almost as if America offers you a menu of almost everything. Right. And you can choose it. And then based on people's narrow view of America, you feel like you've done something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Where, Where all you've done is chosen off the menu. Yeah. That's a great point, Miles. And I think we all fall into that because we obviously we live here in America. It happens mm-hmm. everywhere. But uh, that's a great right. point. And, and again, you know, we don't we're not born with the belief system that we're not good enough. We're not born that way right. at right. all. Um, yeah, and we I somehow know. learn that off that menu you're talking about as we go through life here in America. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting when you talk about you're working with um meth and heroin addicts and and mm-hmm. you know, people that are dealing with drug and alcohol addiction depression uh anxiety yeah. Oh, yeah. multiple multiple ch- uh, mental health challenges i read something recently that talked about that uh people that have adhd the way that their brains are wired they have a, a, a higher propensity towards uh drugs like cocaine and methamphetamines in fact, a lot of the uh, uh, drug treatments that people with ADHD have, um, uh, shoot, them, what is it called? Ritalin used to be the one, and now um, I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, they're basically Adderall. They're Adderall thank Adderall. you. Adderall. Yeah, yeah, they're basically um, similar in chemical structure to methamphetamine, and so that's one of the reasons why people that have ADHD uh, are more likely to abuse drugs or alcohol. And the author that I'm reading, it, it was fascinating to hear his description. He said that if we start talking about these things, not from a problematic standpoint, but we start talking about what are the positives and what are the benefits, what are the superpowers? And he said that the way that he described an ADHD brain to a young child so that the child could understand is that if a person has ADHD, they have a Ferrari engine in their brain, but they have bicycle brakes and so <laughs> the way to it isn't that great the way yeah. to address it is you've got to strengthen your brakes and when you talk about this idea that there's nothing wrong with people there truly isn't right it's just right. a matter of understanding first so that you can then create strategies to improve your life or to uh, really just accept and there's some things you probably just have to accept but i want to dig deeper into this Why is it that you say to people, there is nothing wrong with you? Where's that coming from? Well, so when I was in seventh grade, I'm I'm a, you know, I'm a very skinny frame. I'm a skinny kid. 
and I knew I was skinny, but I it didn't, it didn't bother me. I didn't care. I was a skinny kid. It didn't, it didn't bother me. But I, one day in seventh grade, I overheard my family in the kitchen laughing about how skinny I was. Mm. And I don't know how to explain it, but when I heard that, cause I was in my room, I felt as if, wow, I, it was the first time that I said to myself, I look funny and it crushed me. Yeah. It was a crushing blow. Mm. And I, from that point forward, started walking around thinking I looked funny. And then, you know, if I, you know, as I was walking down the hallways in junior high, I'd hear someone laughing. I would think, oh, they're laughing at me because I look funny. Yeah. And this started building this narrative that kept going over and over and over again that, again, Todd, you look funny. You're not good enough. No girl's ever going to want to be with you. Mm-hmm. And I really, you know, it really started to cause me to feel less than and depressed and, you know, anxious and you name it. I used to fantasize that I had muscles <laughs> and those were my, you know, I yeah. daydream about coming into a, a classroom with big muscles, but uh, that narrative actually, eventually that was, you know, what fueled my uh, drug addiction and my alcoholism is that mm-hmm. I would kind of like, you know, once I discovered drugs and alcohol, it was like this liquid confidence all of a sudden, cause I didn't have any, Again, I was insecure about the, the because of those belief systems, and so. Um, but that narrative, you know, yeah, I, say, I say, so say that again though. You were insecure because of the belief systems. I want you to I want you to focus on that for a second. But you yeah. weren't, you weren't insecure before. You oh were yeah. Okay, but you were insecure because there was a belief system that was developed, right? It's you a great something that was negative, and then yeah. you became insecure because that became a system of beliefs. Yeah. So here you bring up a great point. So. Here I am in seventh grade. Everything's fine. I'm the same Todd. All of a sudden I hear something in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and now I feel insecure. Well, what changed in me? The only thing that changed was the thoughts I was telling myself. The story just changed, but it, I wasn't really necessarily insecure, but my thoughts started to create that based off of what I heard. Great point. So, so there's the lie. There's the, there's that facade or that fairy tale that got draped over me by my own thinking, mm-hmm. right? And again, I'm in seventh grade. I don't know how to handle that kind of stuff, right? But knowing this now, and when I teach a seventh grade now, a seventh grader, I teach this kid how to control his own thinking. It's it's amazing because the number one cause of human suffering is our own thoughts. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so if you can teach a young child how to start to controlling their brain instead of letting their brain and mind control them, you have given them one of the best gifts you could ever give them. But I didn't know any of those skills or techniques or tools back then. And mm-hmm. so again, it just opened up this door of a, of, of, you know, just this narrative that again, that created anxiety and depression and led to the behaviors that were very unhealthy in my life. Also, I mean, you said something really interesting of not knowing how to, to control or understand those thoughts, but at such a delicate age, yeah. It's it's almost as if the first lesson almost has to be be aware of the thoughts that you hear coming from outside of you, other people's thoughts, because right. that's Absolutely. really right. what we're talking about. Because, you know, nobody when you're young, you know, you think about a baby when he or she is first born and they are vulnerable to everything. And since they don't even have words, yeah, they they basically take their information in through emotion and energy because they are yeah. pre-verbal. So they're basically watching the yeah. outside world react. Yeah. And yeah, then when they can sure. start to comprehend things, the words start to come in and they still haven't learned enough to go, 
hey, what are these words coming in and how are these words affecting me? So how do you teach a kid, like, be careful of what other people are saying, because that is almost just as powerful as the thoughts you process yourself based on that. Because so it creates, it's, really yeah, it's an imprint, right? I mean, you, right, it's yeah. an imprint. That, that becomes imprinted. It's not necessarily, yeah. it doesn't reach the level of cognition. It becomes imprinted right. on the body. It becomes imprinted on the on the emotions. So yeah, yeah I, I guess two-part question. Miles is saying, how do you teach that to a kid? And then my, my follow-up question to that would be then, how do you teach that to an adult who doesn't even realize the horrible beliefs that they have carried with them for 20 or 30 years? Yeah. yeah, well, that's a those are great questions. And one of the things I really pride myself on is I I I love I love simplicity. Simplicity is power, complexity is difficulty, and, and it slows things down. And so I, I'm gonna butcher this quote, but I think it was Einstein that said, if you can teach what you're teaching to a kindergartner and they can share it with someone else, you, you, you're doing it right. But if you confuse this kindergartner with what you're teaching, then you don't understand it yourself. And so yeah, right, that's yeah. kind of summarizing it. And so, so I teach I this technique. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And so, you know, what it, what it comes down to is we have to learn to be the watcher of our thoughts because it's our thoughts that create the feeling, right? It's not the circumstance. Mm-hmm. So I hear my family laughing, how skinny I am. That was the circumstance. But it was all of a sudden, I could have, I could have gone going, oh, no big deal. Yeah, I am skinny. No big deal. And I could have laughed it off and been completely fine. And that happens a lot in our lives as well. But I, I did not do that. I actually started telling myself, again, like I said, a different story. So I let my thoughts control the way I think. Mm-hmm. So when you teach a kid how to learn to be the watcher of their thoughts, pay attention to the thoughts coming because you're not the thought. You're the, you're the part of you paying attention to the thought. It's just a thought. So I do this technique called recognize, refuse, replace the three R's. Very simple. I can teach it to a a, a seventh grader or a fourth grader. And I can teach it to a 70 year old is you, you got to recognize you had the negative thought. You don't run from it. You turn right to it and say, okay, I see you. And then you, you honestly refuse it by calling it something else. I call it the, I call it the bully, right? There's the bully. And then I replace it by adding my name. So for instance, if the negative thought comes into my mind, I'm stupid. I'll look at that and go, oh, there's that thought. Nice try, bully. You know, I call, I label it something else. Mm. And then I say, I taught him brilliant. And it's actually a technique that Olympic athletes use because what this does is it reshapes your self-image on a subconscious midbrain level. And when you do it on that level, it's permanent lasting change. And so the biggest pushback I get on this, guys, is, hey, it can't be that simple. And I'm here to say, no, no, it is that simple. The hard part is, are you willing to actually start doing that? And I'll tell you, I've got a fifth grade client I'm working with right now who's doing this technique. And it has literally changed this kid's life. Like they're, they're, his parents are blown away. They're like going, what is going on? I've never seen our kid this happy, this positive. I want, I want to learn what you're teaching, you know? And so, <laughs> but really it comes down. And then there's other things that come in and everyone's a little different, but it comes down to teaching that simple technique. And then if, if the person will utilize it and practice it, um, it'll become permanent. Isn't it interesting how like yeah. when, when you, when you come up with ideas, 
that are that simple that yeah. the hardest part of that is <laughs> is is using it consistently every day yep. that's the hard part yeah. of like waking yeah. up it's like going to it's like having a job and this yep. time your job is protecting your mind and yeah. every day you have to get up and practice and practice until yes. it becomes such a working part of you but the, so the application is the hard part but the actual theory when you look at it is like this is really simple yeah, yeah. i think basic. yeah i think basic. people yeah. confuse the two they yeah, think they, do. they think they, the, the the simplicity of it is the hard part and the application <laughs> is easy but they never get to it <laughs> yeah right and and it's just easier not to do anything to be honest and i think people right. get they fall into that trap that oh yeah it's great information and you know i had a parent the other day and said hey todd what is your success rate and i looked at her and i said 100% and she looked at me like what like you can't be 100% i said it, I'm, it's a hundred percent. If, if your son or daughter will do what I'm asking them to do, right. it's 0% if don't. they don't do it. Yeah. And yeah. so, cause it's not up to, it's not about me. I'm going to teach them a tool. If they'll start practicing and utilizing it, it will change their life. Cause I've seen it a thousand times. I've seen it in my own life. And so again, it's really simple, but yet, like you said, miles, so many people get that confused, but the hard part is actually, doing what you say you're going to go do. Well, you, yeah. you, you think about it. It's like, um, I, I, I stole this. I can't remember who I stole this from recently, but, Probably um, me. yeah, <laughs> <For> miles. <laughs> I, no, I stole the glasses from you. Um, <laughs> so you think about the, the concept of hygiene, right? You have, you have physical hygiene, which is I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to take a shower, all of those things. There's never a destination. And this kind of, this comes to like to the east west conversation of in yeah. in the west we're goal oriented, we're very young, uh yin yang driven, we're very young driven like go go go, right? Masculine yeah. tough energy. Oh, hey, there you go. Nice shirt. Um in the in the east they tend to be uh more focused on the process. They tend to be more focused on just staying consistent with everything that they're doing. And what you're talking about, Todd, is <laughs> oh, I missed that one. What, oh, you got hey, just be it. Yeah, just be <laughs> it, man. That's one of my favorite shirts. I wear that to the gym regularly. <laughs> Good. Um, okay, Steve, what so, t-shirt are you wearing? Uh, it's a plain blue t-shirt. I'm sorry, guys. YouTube yeah, because he's he's very creative today, Miles. Yes. <laughs> Even though he's, that. he 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 got it all. He understands. He doesn't need to be reminded of anything. He's just, I've got it. He's yeah. learned it. It's all in the color blue. Yep. You think about the difference between the East and the West, right? Uh, and, or these philosophies. What you're talking about goes back to this hygiene idea. And I think that in our lives, we've got to develop mental hygiene. We've got to develop emotional hygiene. We have to develop physical hygiene. There's fitness hygiene. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, my neck is hurting me or my shoulders hurting me or whatever. I said, well, you know, take two or three minutes a few times a day. I can't do that. Like, you brush your teeth? Yeah. Well, you can do this. It's just fitness hygiene. Stretch yeah. a few times a day until that part doesn't bother you. Yeah. This like mental that. hygiene is something that you could do every yep. single day. Um, you know, I'll wake up from time to time and the the liar in my head says, ah, maybe it's a rest day. Maybe you need to sleep in a little bit more. But I know that voice. It's not my voice. It's not who I am. It's the it's the part of my brain that lies to me and tries to entice me to be lazy, 
Um, and so I love what you're talking about, Todd, because I do the same thing. And you're right, 100% of the time, it works. If I separate the thought from myself and I recognize it for what it is, and then I say, you know what, uh, that's not me. I am a person that's healthy, that's fit, and that keeps my commitments and my promises to myself. And so I, then yeah. I pop up out of bed and I go to the gym. Um, but that's the liar. But this is the whole mental hygiene piece. Yeah. In addition Love. to your three R's, what else are you teaching people to help them to get to this recognition of what their uh, their thoughts are? Like, I guess let me let me back up and ask you a better question than that. Sure. How do you get someone to the point? Let's fast forward to somebody who's had horrible habits for 30 or 40 years, 50 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you get them to recognize what those bad habitual thoughts are? Yeah, that's a great question. I was working with a, a meth addict uh, just uh, last week who um, is a very prominent person here where we live. Um, obviously won't say his name, but he uh, he's addicted to meth and we're, I was working with them one-on-one -on -one and we're talking and I uh, basically was going down this path of eventually letting them know there's nothing wrong with them. And I could tell instantly, he just believed that he had, you know, that he ultimately wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. He, he all, he had this imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't, he was actually very successful, but he almost believed he, didn't, he was unworthy of the success. So he was almost self-sabotaging his life. And I just asked him a really simple question. I said, Prove to me that you're not good enough. Prove it to me. Great and he looked at me like, what? I go, no, prove it to me. I go, because that's what you tell yourself. So prove it to me. And I kid you not, he, just like a deer in the headlights. And he sat there and he sat there. And I'm not kidding you. It was like, a, a you know, he paused for like 60 seconds. And, and I go, and then I just kept, I said it again, prove it to me. Come on, I'm waiting. And he ultimately goes, well, I can't. And I go, well, why? And he goes, well, because it's not true. Hmm. I love <laughs> and that. I said, and, and it's so simple, but, but see, this is like, and I do this with all my clients, uh, Stephen Miles, where I'll just say, Hey, prove to me something's wrong with you. Like prove it to me. And they ultimately cannot do it. And I'll say, well, what does that mean? And they'll, they have to go. Yeah. Well, it's not true. And I said, so, it's not that there's something's wrong with you that's holding you back. It's the belief in something's wrong with you that's holding you back. Yep. So we have to go in and change that belief. And the only way to change that belief is to start saying something different. Sports science has proven that when we say something out loud, it's 10 times more powerful than if we think it. And so, mm. so I'll give you an example. I was working with a client. He comes and sits down with me. He actually wants to do what I do. He wants to do mental fitness coaching. He wants to be that guy. So he starts to tell me about himself. He's a very successful person. He's married. He's got three kids. And then he says, I have dyslexia. And I, I right then I stopped and I said, who told you that? He said, well, when I was in fourth grade, Todd, I was struggling with learning. Um, my parents took me to a therapist. They did all these tests. And they basically came back and said, I have dyslexia and a learning disability. And I looked him right in the eye and I said, don't ever say those again. <laughs> he goes, what? I go, don't ever say it again. And he goes, I can do that. I go, absolutely. I go, from now on, I want you to say, and I'll use this name as an example, Tyler. I, Tyler, remember everything and see things exactly how they are. Mm -hmm. That's what I want you to say from now on. 
dyslexia, learning disability, out. Now, this isn't denying that he didn't have those things that he struggled with. But here he is in his 30s. For 20 years, this has been holding him back. Yeah, right. I kid you not. He started doing this. Within 10 days, I get a text from him that's about a mile long. And he said, Todd, he goes, I cannot believe what's going on. I've been doing what you asked. I've been saying, I, I remember everything. I see things exactly how they are. He goes, the dyslexia is non-existent. Mm. Guys, I'm telling you, this was three years ago. This kid is on fire. And it doesn't mean he doesn't still at times struggle with it. We're not, I'm not trying to get him to, to deny some struggles that he's had. Right. But, right. but what happened is he bought so into it that it just was slowing his whole progress in, in every area of his life. But just by changing the narrative, by saying something different, he, he actually is combating and telling his brain, no, I don't have those things. I actually see things exactly how they are. And I'm telling you, that's the power of narrative, right? And then I right. ultimately said the same thing to him. So ultimately, there's nothing wrong with you, man. And yeah. it's, just, it's right. just an interesting concept. And people do struggle with it. I'm not going to lie. People wrestle with it. But once they finally see through the, the weeds, so to speak, and they finally see that and they go, oh, my goodness. It's my it's narrative. Interesting. So Yeah, it's interesting. That's really interesting because it, it's almost as Amazing. if it's replacing you. You can add on to the narrative and that's what they're mm -hmm. doing. Yep, but yep, then you yep. come along and you give them the tools that you don't have to keep building this narrative. Yeah, We can start to dismantle this narrative and replace it with a new narrative. Yes, that's what a radical thought. Yeah. What a <laughs> radical thought. I mean, yeah. come on. Getting like, rid of the thing the that's ineffective. Yeah. Yes. Well, I guess the tragedy is, is that most folks, and it took me forever to realize this, most people, and I think it has a lot to do with the structure of our country and how we go about things, don't realize that they're living narratives. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that they can be changed. Right. They don't, they're, right. they're totally unaware that I am building on to this, whatever your habitual patterns are, and you keep reinforcing them, you are building, you are making your personal narrative stronger without understanding that you don't have to do that. You could actually start to deconstruct the narrative. And we're not, we're not, as at least a society, we're not there yet. There are many individuals yeah. who know how to do this, who are aware of it. I call it, well, I was talking to my friend the other day, and he loved this phrase, because I call it Attempting to dislodge myself from myself. <laughs> yeah. 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 Get out of your you own way, to, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have yeah. met the enemy and he is us. You know, <laughs> you know right. there's there's an acceptance piece here, uh, if I'm hearing you right, Todd. And I think about, like, I, I think about your story, being a skinny kid. Um, and yet, when people get to our age, what do they want to be? They want to be skinny, right? <laughs> right. Guy, guys <laughs> want to have a little bit of muscle. Girls don't really care. They just want to be skinny. Like, but at that age, we start to tell ourselves a narrative. Now, yeah. whether you're tall, short, wide, skinny, doesn't matter. Um, you know, I've got, I've got curly hair. You've got straight hair. Um, those things are what they are. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we have some sort of deficit because of that. Yes. Yeah. I'm not a tall person, so I'm never going to make it into the NBA. Right. But that doesn't mean my life is closed off because I never had the, the height and the skill and the ability to make it into the NBA. It just means I have strengths in other areas. Yeah. And so far too often when we get into this mindset, 
I used to call it when I was doing coaching with my clients, I'd call it deficit mindset or deficit thinking because you're mm. only focused on the things that you don't have. Right. And rather than focusing on the things that you do have. So Todd, once you get somebody to recognize some of these beliefs and these narratives and you really challenge this, which I love how you do, I, I would really challenge our listeners to write down all of the things that you think are horrible about you, that you think are that suck, and then try and go explain that to somebody who loves you. You're gonna fail miserably. So once <laughs> right, you right. do this to, to people, Todd, what's the next step? How do you help to people to open their eyes and see that there truly is nothing wrong with them? Well, yeah, that's a beautiful question. So it's one thing if I look in, for instance, if I look in the mirror, one of the things I, you know, I have my clients do is affirmations and, and saying certain things in the mirror. It's one thing to do that. But when I walk away from that mirror, I've got to now go be those things that I said that I am. So as a simple example, if I, if I look in the mirror and say, okay, I taught him honest. Cause when I was in my addiction, I was, I was a liar. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I lied a lot. It became habitual. That's what I did. I had to start telling myself, I taught him honest. And when I'd walk away from that mirror, I had to start being honest. So when my words match up with my actions and my behaviors, that's the form of a new belief system. And so it's now go be those things today. So one of the things I say this, uh, there's, a, there's a statement that says, um, I am what I repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence is not an act, but a habit. And so... There's four things I have my clients just to make it real simple. These four things, be honest, have integrity, be accountable, help someone. I just make it again, simple, start living those four principles. And at the end of the day, ask yourself if you did all four. And if you can start doing that, and, and at the same time, you're telling yourself a new narrative, you're, you're going to start going, oh my goodness, I'm actually doing this. I'm actually doing what I said I would do. It's matching up with the new narrative. And it's amazing what our brain will do. It starts to form a new belief system. And when you do something long enough, right? Repetition creates the new neural pathway. Repetition right. Right. deepens the impression, right? It takes them from short-term memory to long-term memory. And so when you do that over and over and over again, pretty soon it just becomes automatic. And then it's, it's, it's when that delightful surprise, it's like, wow, man, there is nothing wrong with me. So that's really the next step is go out and be the things to the best that you can. You're going to still make mistakes, but I'll tell you, that's what we start doing is, okay, I want you to start doing those four principles and we start from there. And it's a beautiful thing to watch when they start doing it. But that's the point though, that you, you will make mistakes along the way. There's, oh, no, yeah. des there's no destination. In I'm still making mistakes every right? day there's all the time. Yeah, we, we all do. There's a process, but there's no destination. And I think that's one of the most important things for people to understand yeah. is you're not reaching a destination. But I want to go back real quick. Yeah. You talked about how when you have a belief and then you go do it, that that construct of doing those two things. OK, so you say the belief, then you go do the belief. I think about the word integrity. Mm -hmm. Integrity means that I'm going to do what I say and I'm going to say what I do. And those things mm -hmm. are going to line up. So if my thoughts, yeah. words, actions and beliefs all line up, then I have integrity. I'm integrated, right? Yeah. A building that has integrity has great framework. It's got a phenomenal yeah. foundation. Um, it's got yeah. great trusses that hold the roof up. That's integrity. Everything works yeah. together. It functions. It's strong, right? A strong person 
is a person of integrity, somebody that yeah. believes something and then goes and does it. Yeah. And there is so much power in that. Well, and over time, you reach these moments where you realize, oh my gosh, something's different inside of me. I am becoming a different person. What was the, yeah. what were some of the moments for you as you started to keep your word to yourself? Um, when did you yeah. notice that you were becoming a different person? Yeah, I get emotional when I think about this, Steve, honestly, because, you know, when I was in the height of my addiction, the what's worse than just worse than the addiction is the lying, the yeah. manipulating, having no integrity, like always like doing something shady when no one's around. Yeah. Right. I was very selfish. I wasn't helping people. I took zero accountability and it, it caused so much misery in my life to the point where I wanted to be dead. And so when I started living these simple little principles that someone taught me, again, we're all standing on shoulders of giants. Yeah. You know, I, someone taught me what I'm sharing with you here. And I just, it was amazing. It's almost like my confidence started to, to increase. And see, I didn't have the same coaching that I'm teaching someone. No one told me nothing was wrong with me back in the day. Yeah. I didn't have someone telling me that, but I discovered it. Uh, when I gave all my money away to this little girl at a lemonade stand, um, that's when I realized, oh my goodness, I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. And I started doing the things that I said I was going to do. And so what I found, Steve and Miles, is that when I was honest, it killed bad behavior. Like you can't do bad behavior and be honest because I would have to lie to myself to go back to the bad behavior. So yeah, it's I like shining a big that. light on it, right? Absolutely. Honesty and, is this massive spotlight that you're putting on Absolutely. Life. Yeah. And then it's with a great the title of a book, too. That's yeah. a great title of a book. There you go. That's there your next you. book. There's your next book, Miles. Um, and then integrity, <laughs> like you said, Steve, integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking and being the same person in every room you walk into. And if I start doing that, nothing else matters. Yeah. If I don't do any of that, nothing else matters. And then the accountability piece kind of ties those two in together. And what I love about accountability is suffering stops. And this is why I get emotional. The moment I started taking accountability for my life, didn't mean I didn't need help from people because I did. Yeah. But the moment I took accountability, suffering stopped. Yeah. Because yeah. the opposite of accountability is pointing the finger and blaming everyone Blame. else for my problems. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I learned. And then obviously helping someone else, there is no greater drug on the planet. There's no drug on the planet that can give me the feeling I get when I authentically go help somebody else. Um, and that's what I learned. And so if I do those four things, if I give it away, if I help someone, dude, I, I'll tell you, I'm on fire when I do that. And, and the most powerful weapon on earth is when your soul is on fire. Well, you, you just you just said it, right? There, there really is no drug on the planet. It's called oxytocin. Oxytocin yeah. in your brain is the yeah. love chemical. And that is stimulated, that is released in the body, in the brain, yeah. when you are connected with another human being yeah. and you're serving yeah. another human being. You cannot go out there and get that. You can get, um, you, you can get dopamine, you can get all yeah. sorts of uh, highs, but you can't replicate, yeah, you can't replicate the oxytocin hit that you get from serving another person. Yeah. And so that's part of why we talk about this as an evolution of the mind. Not only is there a rewiring while you're doing these things, but you're truly releasing drugs into your brain that can only be released internally. I love that. So when I say in the mirror, I'm a good person, 
and I go out and do something that's good for someone else, right? And I actually go do it. See, that oxytocin, I think, cements that belief system into my psyche. Yeah. It is amazing. And and I, I and the cool thing about oxytocin, you can't overdose on it. No, no. You can't. And and I say this often with the clientele I work with a lot. You know, if you master the first 11 steps of AA, you'll drink and use again. If you master step 12, you'll never touch another drop you'll never use. And what's mm-hmm. step 12? It's going out and making a difference in someone else's life. And I'll tell you, when you go do that, whoa, man, that's where that's where the rubber hits the road. And that's when change really starts to happen. That's the ultimate vitamin C. We talked about get your vitamin C for your health, but really your <laughs> mental mental vitamin C is your vitamin connection, right? Yeah. You got to go yeah. out and get connection with other people because 100%. it really truly rewires the brain. One of the most uh, consistent pieces, I remember when I read the book, The Blue Zones, uh, and for, for our listeners who have not read or, or heard about The Blue Zones, The Blue Zones are areas of the world where people tend to live longer, happier, healthier lives. So like Okinawa, Japan, uh, I think Palm Springs in California was one of them, but they they have <laughs> yeah. the most people who live over 100 in these particular areas. One of the most common threads between all of these people that were studied over decades is that they have great connection with family, friends, and a community. Mm. Um, it's such an important piece to your overall mental health. So Todd, we've talked about get out and serve. We've talked about being aware of some of these things. Let's talk about the screw ups because (laughs) it's extremely common to screw up. It's extremely common to make mistakes and it's extremely common to fall back into some of these bad habits. Yeah. And not only do we mess up, but then we compound it by beating ourselves up and thinking that we've done something horribly wrong, right? Yeah, um, right. What, what's your approach when you mess up or if you have a client that messes up relative to what their goal is? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it goes back to I, you know, uh, teaching the principle that life happens for us. This whole process is gonna happen for you. And I, I let the client know that. And I often say, Okay, if you're going to beat yourself up for screwing up, would you say those same words to your own child? Mm -hmm. Would you beat up your child with those same words if they screw up? And, you know, without fail, they absolutely say no. You know, one of the things I do, uh, Stephen Miles. So, for instance, if I'm dealing with a client who's struggling with their narrative and they're struggling and they've they've tried to cover up this narrative with drinking or drugs, let's say, as an example, and I'll ask them if they have kids. And, you know, and a lot of them do. They'll say, yep, I have a, I have a daughter and a son. I'm like, oh, what's your daughter's name? Oh, it's, it's Lisa. How old's Lisa? She's four years old. I go, would you ever give Lisa heroin? They're absolutely not. I go, would you ever tell Lisa she's not good enough? Would you ever tell her the negative things you tell? And they're like, absolutely not, never. And I go, I bet you jump in front of a car to save her. Mm-hmm. without." And they always go, without hesitation, for sure. And I said, I go, but there's your problem. You don't love you on the level you love your daughter. Yeah. And dude, the room goes quiet. Yeah. They sit there and 10 out of 10 times, guys, they get emotional. Mm -hmm. They start to tear up. And I said, there's your problem is that you would never hurt your daughter or son on purpose ever. But yet here you are kicking yourself, beating yourself up. You you're telling yourself words that you would never, ever do. So I'm going to challenge you to catch. That's part of the process, you guys, is 
is part of catching the narrative. If I make a mistake, here comes the bully. Oh, you're no good. See, I told you, you couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I go, no, 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 nope. I'm not buying into that narrative anymore. Yep. I made a mistake because I'm human, but guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to do better next time. And I'm not kidding you. It's it, we have to challenge that negative narrative in the moment. And again, it takes practice and yep. it takes practice and it takes practice, but I'll tell you, you, you've probably heard of this, Steve, of the 2190 rule. Yep. Where yep. 21 days to create a habit, 90 days to create a lifestyle. Yep. So I, I I create expectations. This is going to take a minute. You've had this narrative for 10 years. I want you to work on this, dedicate yourself for the next 90 days working on a new narrative. And typically, right around that 90-day time, it starts to become a part of their psyche. It becomes automatic. And that's the beauty of it. But yeah, it's it's again, it's just catching that narrative in the moment and, and showing them that they would never do that to someone they love. You know, it's it's funny you bring that up because I think reframing it like that is 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 super powerful, especially when they think about people in their life that they truly love, a kid or a mother yeah. or you know, whatever. Um, and, and and it's important to remember that a lot of this stuff, it just it lives in the body, it lives in the tissue. You know, I, I started uh, this last week playing around with a few different exercises because I, I want to create more mobility. I want to play around with a few different things in the gym. And so I, I was doing something today and all of a sudden my back kind of tightened up and said, well, we're not ready for that. And I get this sharp pain and I go down. I'm like, oh my gosh, I tweaked my back. Well, that's my own damn fault because the input that I've had has not been this new exercise. Now, (laughs) fast forward three months from now, I'm sure I'm going to be able to do that new exercise just fine because I'll stick to it. You remind me of something where I I had a moment with a friend of mine one time. And I can't think of very many times... Maybe not even off the top of my head, I can't even think of another time where I, I did this, but we were in a, a conversation and my friend was going off about what a horrible person and how they screwed up and yada, yada, yada. And we'd had this conversation a few times before and finally I just lost it. And I literally looked at him and I said, fuck you. And they mm. stopped and looked at me like, what? I said, fuck you. Stop hurting my best friend. Stop talking shit on my friend. I am not going to allow you to sit here and talk shit on my friend because I'm not okay with that. And their eyes just wide open. I'm like, yeah, I'm talking about you. I love you and I'm not going to let you talk shit on you anymore. Because if you talk shit on any one of my other friends, I would say the same thing. And I think it's time you just raise the bar and let's start talking about what you love about yourself rather than this bullshit story. And that was, I, there was, there was a turning point in our friendship in a positive way. <laughs> um, and they came back to me later and said, I just never realized of how abusive I was to myself. And this is truly a person that um, I still love and value to this day that, uh, and, and I, I will say to the day I die, that this is a human being that I think has one of the most kind, loving hearts of any, any person that I've ever met, except for themselves in that moment. Yeah. And I think at a certain point, we have to stand up for ourselves. Or if you're a friend, you literally have to stand up and say, stop abusing my friend. You are my friend. Stop doing that. Stop treating yourself this way. Right. Um, Because part of what had stimulated this was uh, a quote unquote screw up moment. I'm like, so what? You screwed up. You move on. Like nobody cares. 
Everybody that loves you knows who you are. You made a mistake. Everybody else makes a mistake. Just keep going forward. Yeah. And I think that Todd, this, this idea of this duplicitousness that we have in life where we will love other people, but we don't take that self-love to a deeper level. It's far too prevalent. How do people start to develop love for themselves? What does that look like? I mean, well, it's easy to love, love other people, right? Yeah. So we think. So how do yeah. you teach people to love themselves? That's, uh, easy. You can't love what you don't know. And if I ask, I always ask my clients, who are you? And 10 out of 10 people cannot answer the question. Mm. If you cannot answer that question with conviction. So I had a client the other day that said, yeah, I love myself. And I said, okay, who are you? And they're like, I'm not sure. And I said, well, you can't love what you don't know. Now, I wasn't trying to say that this person hated themselves, but you've right. got to know who you are. And so one of the, you know, and I don't know if we have time to get into this today, but, you know, I put them through a process uh, of, of helping them answer that question with conviction, who they are. And once they can get there, I always ask, is that lovable, that, that whole encompassing of who you are? And 10 out of 10 will say, yeah, that's absolutely lovable. And I said, there you go. Now you can say you love yourself because you know who you are. And that is the number one question, guys, that needs to be answered with conviction. Yeah. And, par and parents listening to this right now, if you want to give, if there, if you say, man, if I told you, I want to give you an idea, it's the greatest gift you could ever give your kids, you would want to hear it, right? And then everyone's going to say, absolutely. The greatest gift you could give your children is to help them answer the question who they are with conviction. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that is the key because that's where love starts. Because think about it. When we're little kids, we know who we are. We love ourselves. We love everyone. We have faith as big as the universe. Yeah. Right. We, and then as we get older, we go through all these, you know, trials and tribulations like we all do. And what happens is, is we forget, we don't lose. We forget who we are. Yeah. And what I do with my clients is basically remind them of what they have once forgotten. And once they come back to the to that again, it is magic. And that's where, that's where self-love starts is that's, that's the foundation. It's a, it's an amazing process. It's probably the favorite part about my job is I get to help people one that there's nothing wrong with them. And two answer the question of who they are. It's, it's truly why I do what I do. Well, love is intimacy, right? You can't truly love someone or something if you're not intimate. Yeah. And so understanding who you are on an intimate level is yeah. gotta be there. Yeah. yeah Seriously, go go insight. ask, go go ask your friends or family members right now, who are they? And they will stumble over the question. Mm -hmm. They will they will wrestle with it. And but but to me, that is the, the most important question that we could all answer with conviction. Yeah. Yet we throw that term around like it's candy. I love you. Yep. I love you. I love, love you. you. Love, I love you. you. Love you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I threw yeah, that around do. earlier talking about your mac and cheese, Miles. Yeah. Yeah, but but, but I <laughs> everyone I loves who, mac and cheese. I know who my macaroni cheese is, and my macaroni <laughs> cheese knows who it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, that's true, Miles. <laughs> Todd, talk briefly about how gratitude plays into all of this. I think once somebody knows who they are yeah. and they start to uh, show some love to themselves. How does gratitude fit in? Yeah, gratitude is amazing. And I know everyone hears this a lot. Gratitude, and we, we got to be grateful. And here's why. And this, 
And, and I agree with that. I think gratitude is the most powerful stimulant on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, again, with that negative narrative, we're focusing on the things we don't have. What gratitude does is it helps us focus on what we actually do have. Even if we're having a rough time, we can still find some things to be grateful for. And so gratitude, at least, especially in uh, you know addiction recovery, um, is critical because again, once once you start being once you're grateful, it's hard to be ungrateful if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's yeah. hard to have both. And so one of the things I have my clients do is you know you hear a lot of times, hey, write in your journal a gratitude list, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. But what happens, I think, is we write these lists and we do them. If we did them every day, great. And I think that's good. But I think what really makes this come alive is if we, again, simplify it, write down three things you're grateful for, maybe right before you go to bed or, or when you wake up, whatever's best for you, and then write down why. Mm-hmm. The why is where I start feeling the gratitude. So I could say, hey, I'm grateful for Steve. I'm grateful for Miles. I'm grateful for uh, this podcast. Uh, I'm grateful for my family. Okay, that's great. And, and I do. And I am grateful for all of that. That's, that's a true statement. But if I say I'm grateful for Steve, because he taught me things in my past that most people don't understand how much time I've spent with Steve. And I learned from one of the best. And the things that I even teach a lot of my clients, I learned from Steve. And I'm so grateful for that. And see, and that's all true. Because I, I am so grateful for that. See, I'm feeling the gratitude now because I actually put down why I'm grateful for you. Yeah. And and yeah. so I think that's what makes it come alive. And so gratitude lists are great, but I would challenge your listeners, put the put the why down. Like, why are you grateful for whether it's a person, place, or thing? What why are you? And you'll see it actually come alive. And I think you feel it more here versus thinking it up here. There's a transference of energy once you start to yeah. identify that because as you're talking there's just a feeling that comes across more when you, yeah. when you talk specifically and, and that yeah. feedback is relevant and specific about what you're uh, you know what you're grateful for well great let me te- ask you, great technique how did, how did that feel when i told you that honestly Steve? well it's amazing yeah yeah and and you know so, you're you're very good at doing that i want to point this out for our <laughs> listeners you're very good at expressing gratitude. This is a skill that people have to develop. And the ability to not only express the what, but also the why. Because what happens is as soon as you start expressing your why, you feel it inside of you. That transfers. I mean, realistically, we're only a few blocks away from each other. We're not in the same house right now, but you and I are only a few blocks away from each other. But communicating via this platform Mm-hmm. I can still feel what you're saying. Yeah. So that's out there. It's in the ether. It's transferring in the universe from you to me, uh, not just yeah. through the words that are you know going through all these cables. And that's a skill that takes um, that takes time to practice. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, okay, that's really cool and it's amazing to experience. And what would happen if our listeners learned how to do that not only for other people but for themselves? Mm-hmm. For yeah. every aspect of who they are, all yeah. of the details of who they are. I love expressing it. that. Yeah, I, it's a great, great point, Stephen. Thank you for sharing that. You know, a couple things you can add to that is, you know, yeah, what are you grateful about you and why? Yeah. You know, and then 
One thing that I have done that's really helped me, because you said it's a skill, one of the skills that I learned early on, because someone taught it to me, again, I'm standing on shoulders of giants, um, is the power of writing a letter of appreciation to someone, Mm. like dropping a letter in the mail, like I'll drop a letter in the mail to my wife to my house, (laughs) and she'll get a letter from me in the mailbox saying how much I appreciate her. And it blows her mind like that. I would take the time to actually go write it, mail it, have it come to the house. She gets it. She opens it up. <laughs> <It's awesome>. there's, <laughs> there's a, and there's just power in a letter. And yeah. I challenge anyone listening to this podcast right now, make it a goal like once a week or once a day even. Um, I and, and I would never tell anyone to do something I don't do. I write five a week, right? Yeah. Write at least one letter of appreciation to someone and you watch the gratitude start flowing in. It's, it's just amazing. But yeah, that's, those are some things on gratitude that I would just, you know, recommend. Well, it's pretty powerful. And not only does it help to strengthen relationships, but it also helps to clarify, yeah. you know, when you have to, when you're forced to write, not type, not text, not email, but you're forced to write down that yeah. point of gratitude, you learn how to become very succinct, very direct yeah. about your yeah. gratitude, which I think there's a lot of power in being succinct and direct. Totally. Great, great techniques. Well, Todd, we are coming up on uh, on our time here, and I sure. want to jump through some of our rapid fire questions because I always yeah. love how you come up with a simple <laughs> answer. Because I think the simple answer is the most beautiful, the most elegant, yeah. and the easiest for people to start to apply. So, you ready for the for the rapid I'm fire? I'm All ready. Right. So. For any of our listeners who have not heard rapid fire before, uh, Todd, it's just one word or one phrase to answer the question. Okay. Um, so first question for you is we never really stop evolving. What do you do to show yourself compassion along the way? Um, I get up early and I do an hour of power and it's the greatest gift I've ever given myself. Awesome. How do you tap into your innate creative power? I write with a blue pen. <laughs> I learned that from my the, the master Steve. We're, we're doing um, a virtual high five there. Yeah, honestly though, um, and that is true. But uh, where where I tap into that is when um, I, typically when I'm reading a book. Beautiful. Um, if you could go back ten years and give your former self advice to push your evolution forward, what would it be? Uh, to remind myself that everything's going to work out exactly like it needs to. Beautiful answer. Todd, final question. This is not part of the rapid fire. uh, So take your time on this as much as you want. At Evolve, we believe that people evolve their lives by stacking one simple habit on top of each other. It doesn't have to be hard. It just has to be consistent. What is the most important habit you want our listeners to build? Um, Is consistency in anything that you're doing. So going back to what I said earlier, I do this thing called my hour of power every morning. Again, I'm standing on shoulders of giants because I, I can't take credit because someone taught this to me. And what it is, is I spend an hour every morning after my physical workout and I work on my mind and my heart. Mm. And I do this for a solid hour. And I'll tell you, it. I get revelation. I get inspiration. I get uh, It crushes my anxiety, any depression. I have more confidence. It, uh, it strengthens my relationships. It, uh, I win the day, right? If you win the first hour of the day, you win the day. I win the day when I do this. 
Um, and then I'm full of energy, love and compassion and gratitude. And I can share that with everyone I come in contact with. And I did it this morning. I visualized what this would look like on this podcast today. And I'll tell you, that is the single greatest thing that I've ever done for myself to show myself compassion and love. Beautiful answer. You got to give yourself that gift on a, on a daily basis. Yes, it's, absolutely. It's part of your mental hygiene helps yes. you to improve every aspect of your life. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. We want to thank our guest, Todd Sylvester, for joining us and my co-host, W. Miles Riley. Uh, Todd, you've got uh, social media, you've got websites, you've got books, and you've got podcasts. You are all over the place. What is the best way for people to follow your personal growth and evolution and to learn more about the great work you do? Thank you. Yeah, they can go to toddinspires.com and that will have, you know, links to everything. I've got some books on Amazon they could get if they want. You can also go to beliefcast.com that uh, it's kind of a landing page that uh, uh, you can, you know, link up with my podcast. I've had some amazing guests on there and it's just fantastic. And, and then on social media, it's uh, most my handles are at TS inspires and you can go check me out there and you can hit me up with any questions or thoughts and anything I can do to help you guys. I'd be happy to do so. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say, um, you know, to just kind of piggyback on what you just said, I know that you you spend a lot of time coaching, speaking, writing, doing your podcast. Mm -hmm. um, you do a great job of, with all of those things and you support you. your family well. Um, you. One of the things I think that's most impressive to me is if someone needs help, if they just need advice, if they just need some sort of perspective, um, you are the first to just hand that out and to just say, I'm here for you. And so truly, yeah. if someone were struggling and they reached out to you, I know for a fact you would help them out in some way that you could. Um, 100%. And, and I think you set a great example in doing that. So for our Thank listeners, you. if they, uh, if something has spoken to them during this podcast, they feel like they're called to do something in this uh, podcast to take a step forward in their personal evolution. I, I highly recommend you reach out to Todd. Um, so for our listeners, remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve, but first you have to disrupt, but now it's time for you to get out there and evolve and evolve. Thank you for listening to the evolve podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.